The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Randonautica app is back for a follow-up. This time it leads people to a gruesome discovery. Out in the middle of the Oregon woods sits a box built for Bigfoot. And then we take a trip to Italy to uncover a bizarre story. A man is on a walk with his friends, and then right before their eyes, vanishes. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a bunch of stuff to cover today, so we're going to get started First up, I want to give a shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Big Podrig. Big Podrig, thank you so much for supporting the show. You are going to be our person in the cockpit. The pilot is the term I'm looking for. You're going to be that dude today. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Also, have a merch store, Minecraft server. That's all in the show notes. The Minecraft is free. Just hop on in. Let's play. But first off, before we play, don't start playing just yet. Or I guess you can play and listen at the same time. That's what most people do. Big Padraig, let's hop in the Dead Rabbit rowboat. You're the captain. You don't have to row because you're a Patreon supporter. Me, I'll row. We're rowing up to Duwamish Head. That is a place in Seattle, Washington. Now, this was sent to me by two of my awesome listeners, Tressa with an R. I mispronounced her name last time. I never mispronounce names, so you're allowed to get one wrong every once in a while. Tressa and Christian Dalolmo. Christian and Tressa, thank you so much for sending this over. It's an update to a story I did a while back on the Randonautica app. Quick recap, Randonautica is an app that it basically sends you to random locations based on it's like truly random. It uses quantum computing to figure out a place for you to go. I did a whole episode on it. I think it was episode 463, How to Hack the Universe. It's a very popular episode. If you want a more detailed explanation, you can go to that. You can stop this podcast listen to that one, but that's kind of an overview. This group of teenagers was using the Randonautica app, and it sent them to a place called Duwamish Head, and they recorded all of this. It's on their TikTok video. It's in the show notes. It was from this account, Ugh Henry. They go there and they find a suitcase and in it were some garbage bags. They alerted the, it wasn't just a suitcase with garbage bags in it. It wasn't like that that was suspicious. It was the fact that it was super smelly and it was in the water. So they called authorities. The authorities came out and there was body parts in the bag. So basically Randonautica sent this group of meddling kids to interfere with the serial killer's plans. A little more gruesome than your average episode of Scooby-Doo, but that's what happened. So there's this thing like, isn't that weird how Randonautica would like randomly send them to this location? Were they there to find that and so on and so forth? And then there's another viral video on TikTok. This one is put out by TikTok account user Hello There Love. It's also in the show notes. Someone else was using the Randonautica app in California and it directed them to a street corner and there they ran into a crazy lady, possibly homeless. I don't know for sure. <laughs> she might own a high-rise apartment building, 
but she had a shopping cart in the middle of a residential neighborhood. That's usually a sign you're homeless. Normally, people aren't like, honey, I'm home. They're walking in with their whole shopping cart. Normally, if you're not in a shopping mart area and you have a shopping cart, you're homeless. But anyways, this other group of people was using Randonautica. It sent them to this location, completely randomized location, sent them there. There's a crazy lady. Allegedly, she might, again, have a PhD in, in engineering. I don't know. She just looked crazy. She's staring at this people with a shopping cart. And in the shopping cart is a black suitcase of a similar design to the suitcase found in Washington. So, coincidence? Most likely, right? I mean, Randonautica, it's going to send you everywhere. And eventually, you're going to find two different people with suitcases. But that's kind of the implication. Like, isn't it weird that this these group of kids in Seattle, they directed them to a suitcase full of human remains. And then this group of people got directed in California to a crazy lady with a similar looking black suitcase. It's an interesting story. And Tressa and Christian, thanks for sending it over. I think there's an even more interesting little avenue we can go on. Let's put on our conspiracy caps here. If you'll remember on that episode I did, How to Hack the Universe, I said that the universe has a plan, and when you start do- doing stuff at the quantum level, when you're upsetting the universe's plan, who knows what's going to happen? You're throwing a monkey wrench into the great machinations of the universe. Who knows what's going to happen? What if these kids do uncover a serial killer, right? They found this suitcase randomly, because they would not have gone to this location had Randonautica not randomly sent them there. And eventually, by the time the cops got there, the tide had risen and the suitcase had already washed back out to sea. It could have just washed away forever, right? What if Randonautica upset... Conspiracy cap fully on. What if this serial killer... Because that's what Seattle police are thinking now. They don't know how many... They just have a bag of body parts. They don't know if they're male or female body parts. They don't know if it's more than one person. But what if this serial killer, assuming there is one was not supposed to get caught. What if the serial killer was supposed to operate unknown for like two or three years and then eventually get caught and all this other stuff would happen? But because the universe had a plan and this group of literal meddling kids interfered with it, the serial killer gets caught two years earlier than they were supposed to. Weird thought, right? Which is good. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, no, no, let the serial killers do what they need to do. Let them, you know, just, they're just doing their own thing. We want to catch them as soon as possible. But it's interesting to think that if the universe had a plan for this killer to go on and on, but quantum mechanics upset that plan, that's an interesting way to look at it. It could be possible that eventually there's a, at this dude's door and these police are like, hey, sir, listen, this is going to sound nuts, but there was a serial killer we found out he was coming to kill you. But we caught him because these kids found these body parts in a suitcase. And the guy's like, whoo, that's close, man. Like, I almost got killed by a serial killer. And the police are like, yes, but now you're safe. And the police are walking away. And they're like, sir, what's your name again? Even though we came to your address? Even though we obviously know who you are for narrative purposes. What's your name again? And the guy looks at the police and he goes, my name's Christ. Mr. Antichrist. And then he stares at the camera. So basically the implication of that made of story is what if the serial killer was supposed to eventually kill the Antichrist? But these kids found the backpack. I don't know. The point the point is is that I'm glad that this these body parts were found, but it would be interesting to think like what if this evil person was supposed to be continuing to do stuff? But maybe Randonautica really will upset the gears of the universe. Who knows? But again, I am not pro-serial killers. Well, maybe eventually they'll kill the Antichrist. Let's just let them keep slaughtering people. Catch them as soon as possible. But again, I think it's an interesting story. 
Big Podrig, let's hop, let's leave behind the dead rabbit rowboat. It smells like body parts. We are headed out to Oregon. So actually, we're, let's get back in the, we can handle the smell. We'll just row back on down to Oregon. We're specifically headed to the Siskiyou National Forest. Siskiyou National Forest. It's in Jackson County, Oregon. We're rowing on down there. So we'll hold our nose with one hand. We'll row with the other. We're headed down there to Jackson County, Oregon. Now, this story was recommended to me by Austin Bergen from YouTube, so I really appreciate this recommendation. We docked the boat. Now we got to hike through the woods for a while. It's fine. It's a beautiful day out. We get to this little tiny, like, place in the forest, right? I know that's super specific. Don't try looking for this place yourself without getting a map. But anyways, we walk through the forest. There's big old trees and stuff like that. There's bears taking naps. And then we see this giant box in the woods it's 10 by 10 feet not inches because that's a totally different that'll catch something different nothing it'll catch a grasshopper there's a box that's 10 feet by 10 feet and it has giant like telephone poles for legs for posts i think is the actual term don't have me on your construction site it's in the ground it's this giant thing and it's all like old and stuff. It's been there for a while. It was actually built in 1974. It's two years older than me. And we're walking and we see it. There's like this giant door. Like It's a house, okay? I don't know why. It's like it has four, four sides to it. You guys get it. It's a box. It has this giant door on it. And we smell something. Ugh, gross. Gotta start holding our noses again. Inside this box, even though it's broad daylight, it's super spooky and dark inside the box. There's a rope hanging there, and inside it is a dead rabbit, all skinned and stuff, just kind of... Just kind of swaying in the wind. At this point, I look at Big Padraig, and he looks at me, and we push you inside the box, and we go, "We this is for investigative purposes! We push you inside the box, no, no, no! You go in, and you're like, well, since I'm in here, I, I have always been curious about what rabbit tastes like. <laughs> And then the door slams shut. And now you, if you pick number one, you are in the Bigfoot trap. This is an actual real thing that was built back in 1974. The North American Wildlife Research Team, they found a like a single footprint in some dude's garden. And they go, okay, based, they have magnifying glasses. And they're like, based on this one footprint, let's build a giant box in the middle of the forest. It's a Bigfoot trap. They put rabbits in it. And they had this door in it. Again, you guys know what you guys know what a house is. It's shaped like a house. It doesn't have like a couch and a swimming pool, but it has a dead rabbit in it, which is makes it the best house. And the idea is that Bigfoot would walk into the house and go, mmm, rabbit, r, and then the door would slam shut and he'd be trapped. Now, you think, okay, great. Now you have a house in the middle of nowhere with a giant monster inside of it. What do you do? Well, they actually thought ahead, which is actually more than I was giving them credit for. They thought ahead for this. They were going to have a tranquilizer gun there. Not, not inside the room. That would be like Laurel and Hardy. They're like, yay, we collect, we trapped Bigfoot. Yay, now it's just time to trank it. Laurel, where'd you put the trank gun? Well, I'm sorry, Hardy. I don't know those characters. Anyways, now he has to go in there. He has to dress up like Bigfoot and sneak in there. A sexy Bigfoot. They had a tranquilizer gun on the outside of the house. So what happened is they trapped Bigfoot in there. This was the idea. And then they'd shoot it with the trank gun. Now you just have an 800-pound monster in the middle of the woods you had to transport. They actually had a sled nearby. So they're like, "Wee!" and they can go down this hill. But when they're not using it for that, they would actually, the plan was to load Bigfoot up on the sled 
and then carry it to a truck. And just in case the tranks wore off early, because you you know it's a mythical creature. For all you know, they won't work at all. They also had uh, handcuffs, big old manacles for it. So in their mind's eye, they imagine Bigfoot being dumb enough, being smart enough to hide its tracks and bury its own dead and leave no real evidence of its existence for hundreds of years, but would be dumb enough to go, mmm, rabbit on rope, my favorite art, and set off the trap. In their mind's eye, they thought, we'd catch them, we'll take them back, and actually, they didn't, now that I think about it, they weren't going to like take them to a zoo, I remember reading, and this is my job to take notes and remember stuff. They were going to shoot him with a tranquilizer gun and and cage him up for a bit, but their goal was to tag him and then follow him around. So the plan wasn't to, like, lock him up in a cage. The plan was just to stalk him and lead, find his family members, maybe put them in cages. Like, I don't now that I'm thinking about it, what was the end goal? So you tag Bigfoot and you let him out. He, He wakes up, he's trapped to a sled, he's manacled. You let him out. You don't get murdered by Bigfoot. He runs away. Then he goes home and he's like, you no believe day I have. Me just simply want to eat rabbit. And they're like, was it another rabbit on the rope? Everyone else in the Bigfoot family speaks normal. This is just main Bigfoot. The Bigfoot has this speech about him. And he's like, oh, yeah, rabbit on rope delicacy. And they're like, no, it's not. It was a disgusting, skinned, rotted, no complain. Me read newspaper. So. Then what? Then they go to the house, and then there's a bunch of creepy dudes in the woods being like, oh, yeah, look at look at all them Bigfoots. Do they then tag those Bigfoots and see if they have, like, extended families? They have rel- they, they're have they related to the swamp ape in Louisiana. They go visit during the summer. Like, then what? I mean, I guess the, then what is the proof of mythological creatures existing, but why not just take the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot you capture... And take him to the zoo, or a bunch of pictures of you next to his unconscious body. Whatever. Whatever. Anything. They tag him, and they're just going to let him walk away. Which, again, if Bigfoot's smart enough to cover up his tracks, I think he could look down his arm and be like, uh, this is not part of anatomy, and rip rip the tracking device out. But anyways, I guess it's fair to say that never worked, because we don't have proof of Bigfoot. The box did catch a couple bears, though. That way they knew it worked. So, imagine this. Imagine this scenario. A bunch of Bigfoot hunters, right, have now contained a black bear in a box, in a 10-foot-10 box. A black bear, mind you, that has just been fed. And you go, well, then he's not hungry. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Now he is the strength of a bear and the speed of a rabbit, because he just ate the rabbit, in a box. They caught multiple bears in this thing, so they knew it worked, but then you have to release the bear. I don't think they're like, oh, you got those handcuffs, Laurel? No, no. You would just, whoever lost the coin toss had to, like, run up. I don't even know how you would let a bear out of a giant box. Or why you would, I would just be like, well, I guess guess that bear's dead. Let's just leave him locked in the box forever. And then maybe he'll be bait for Bigfoot. Eventually, there's just nothing but bear carcasses in there. Bigfoot walks by and goes, mm, me really like rabbit, but no room, no room for Bigfoot to eat it, and just walks by. So, yes, it's now what happened was the, the park service goes, uh, yeah, that, that can't, that can't exist anymore. It still is there, but they bolted the door shut, or open, actually. It would be no fun if it was just a box in the woods. They bolted it open, so you can go there. They actually give directions online. You can go there, you can kind of look in a big old empty box. It smells like dead rabbit and, and bear feces. I'm sure there's a hobo living in it now, so only go during the daytime. Um, 
Horn don't. I mean, it's not like hobos disappear during the day. They're like, oh no, the sun's coming up. I'm going into the fifth dimension, and they just kind of dissolve. Now they're in a now they're in another realm until the moon appears and they come back in our world. There can still be hobos living in it during the day. Don't if you go there and get attacked by a random hobo, don't sue me for me saying, oh, you'll be safe. It's probably still extremely. There's bears in the area at the very least. Right? So, I mean, that's dangerous, too. But anyway, so it does still exist. Park Service now does maintenance on it, because people do go there to check it out. So, yeah, there you go. Bigfoot Trap. It's actually the only known Bigfoot Trap in North America. It might be the only one in the world. But, um, it didn't... (laughs) I mean, is it really called a Bigfoot Trap? It didn't catch a Bigfoot. That is one of the great philosophical questions you can ask someone whenever someone's trying to blow your mind when you're smoking weed, you can say, is a Bigfoot trap really a Bigfoot trap if a Bigfoot is never trapped inside of it? Whoa, dude. And if an umbrella had like a hole in it, is it still an umbrella? Whoa, dude. You can blow their minds. You can blow their minds. So let's go ahead, though. Our minds are going to be blown on our next story. Big Padrick. Let's hop in that carpenter copter. We're headed out to Italia, good old Italy. Flying on out there. We're going back in time, too. So we're flying through the ether. We see a bunch of five-dimensional hobos. They're trying to panhandle on the way. No, no, no. Roll your windows up. Pretend you don't see them. Pretend you don't see them. We're back in the mortal realm. It's made... This is an interesting story. Before I even get into dates. This is an interesting story. I got this from UFO Insight was my main source. They got it from a Russian website that's translating an Italian story. It's very, very interesting. Now, there's two or three details that are in dispute, even when we look at the original Italian story that the Russian site was talking about. And those were the dates and the location. And they're not so vast that it ruins the story. It's interesting. The story takes place on either May 3rd, 1753, or May 3rd, 1756. Bizarre, bizarre detail that the day is exactly the same but different year takes place at a city called toscana which supposedly in or near sicily in italy but there doesn't seem to be a city with this real name people have tried trying to find this city so there's kind of interesting details it may make it a work of fiction but it does seem to be a much older story it could be an italian fable that's just kind of passed through the era but even then the story's still very obscure i'd never heard about this before i got this from uh, the uh, ufo insight article demons angels or aliens the account of alberto gordini and the devil's trap so big padrig we're gonna land that carpenter copter we're walking around sicily we're buying some italian furniture and stuff like that just to sit in, we're underneath the Tuscan sun, we're soaking up those beams, getting in that sweet, sweet vitamin D. And as we're there, we see Alberto Gordini walking around. Now, he's just a gardener. He's just not even gardening at this point. Is a gardener really a gardener if he never gardens? Whoa, dude. Albert Alberto Gordini's walking around. He's with a group of people. His wife, a couple other dudes, including the Duke of Zanini. And we stand up, we salute the Duke. We didn't know the Duke was going to be here. We stand up, we got to salute the Duke. As he's passing, he kind of gives us one of those hand waves, and we sit back down in our Italian furniture. They're walking around the town square area. And so they're all talking. They're all having a good old time, just chatting it up. And they're talking. Everyone's kind of looking. And wife looks over at Alberto, and Alberto looks at his wife. And 
She sees that little look in his eye. It was the look that he gave her the first time they met. She knows even this late in life, he's still in love. And then she kind of looks because a butterfly grabs her attention. She looks away briefly. She turns back to her husband. He's gone. Now, around the same time, everyone else in the crowd realizes, wait a second, wasn't wasn't there another guy here? It wasn't a massive crowd of people. It was just a couple friends walking through this town square. What? What? Where? Where'd he go? Hot spring sun is bearing down on their skin. What? How did that happen, dude? Where did he go? Everyone's kind of like flustered and stuff like that. Now, your first impl—I didn't think about this, but because I'm—I'm I'm a weirdo, so I immediately would have went time warp. But a rational person, if you're walking through the, an area and someone disappears, they figure sinkhole. He must have fallen somewhere. So they immediately begin digging up the area. They don't find him. What? Digging, digging. Can't find him. Bring out Dig Dug. He's digging, digging, blowing stuff up. I don't know how long they dug. It could have been like it was nighttime and the wife is still digging. And they're like, Mrs. Gordini, it's time to go. And she's still digging. Her hands are getting all bloody. Her fingernails are all dirty and stuff. And they're like, Mrs. Gordini, it's time to go. And they're like pulling her away. I don't know how long they dug for. They could have just kicked the dirt around for a bit and be like, yeah, he's gone. He lived a good life. Or they could have brought out like people with shovels. Who knows? But the point is they tried to find him. He disappeared in the middle of the day having a conversation with these people. 22 years later, town had moved on. Life had moved on. His wife most likely had moved on, found someone else to manja with. And then, boop, Alberto Gordini just appears. Exactly where he was standing before. What? Oh, what? Oh, man. That sun looks like it's 22 years older. It feels way hotter. It feels 22 years hotter. What's going on? Everyone in town is like... Actually, by then, a lot of people probably didn't even know who this dude was. The whole city's gardens were overrun. If we only had a gardener... Have you disappeared for 22 years and popped back up in the same location? It's not like people... It's not like they were even looking for this guy. He just... Fell in a hole as far as they knew. You don't put up missing people posters if for people who fell in holes. It's not. It'll just you just look in the hole, and either they're there or they're dead. I don't think there was like posters of his face around, being like, "Be on the lookout for this dude who fell in a hole." Like I think at that point everyone just thought he died. But so he pops up in a town. There are people walking around who are adults who weren't even born when he disappeared. Twenty-two years—that's a long time. So he ends up being like, "What is going on, Timmy? What day is it?" And they'll be like, "What? It's May third, sir. It's 17. And he's like, "Yes, I've only been gone for a day. It's seventeen seventy-five." And he's like, "Why do you have to say it so slow to get my hopes up?" I don't know, sir. I'm just a little Tim, little tiny Italian Tim. In 22 years, he'd been there. Now, of course, he starts telling people what happened, and they think he's nuts. First off, they don't think that this the real dude. They go, that's impossible. You can't just fall in a hole. We dug for a while. <laughs> Their eyes shifted from side to side because they barely dug at all. They're like, dude, we dug so much. And then, like, we filled it back in perfectly. <laughs> you couldn't even tell we dug. That's how much we dug. He's a little suspicious on the rescue efforts, but they don't believe him. And when he's telling the story of what happened to him in the past 22 years, he keeps saying, I feel like I've only been gone for a couple minutes. And they're like... Well, if you are who you say you are, you've been gone for 22 years. Now, his wife doesn't reappear in the story. So I'm pretty sure she either died or got remarried and left town. Which, if you were walking through town and someone magically disappeared in front of you, I would move too, right? 
Like, I don't care how good my job is. If I was like, well, you know, I really like the job and the 401k is great, but I could also magically disappear at any moment. I think I can find somewhere else. I think I will take a pay cut to not dissolve into thin air. So she doesn't show back up. Anyways, everyone in town thinks he's a lunatic at this point because he's talking about this weird story of where he was at. And so 10 years pass, and everyone in town is just like, oh, great. They see him walking down the street. They're like crossing this. They're like trying to cross the street. They're like, oh, man, I wish cars were invented so I could get in one and drive. Oh, hey, Alberto. How are you doing? You guys won't believe what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the portal and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Looking at their watch. Did they have watches back then? Looking at their sundial. They're not that old. They're not Egyptians. Anyway, somewhere between a watch and a sundial. It was a watch dial. Eventually, though, a priest, a local priest named Father Mario gets involved in the story. And he's been hearing stuff about this. He's like, what? There's like this guy who disappeared 22 years ago and supposedly he's back. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's underselling it. It's obviously weird. And people are like, yeah, yeah, but that's all he talks about. And I think he's nuts. Like, obviously, that didn't happen. That's impossible. So Father Mario, though, tracks him down and goes, I want to hear your story. And Alberto's like, really? Are you not going to walk away? You're not going to try to invent the automobile? While I'm talking, no, no, no. I want to hear your story. So, finally, Alberto feels comfortable. Someone wants to hear his story in full. This is the story he tells. He's walking through the city with his wife and his friends. He sees a couple dapper-looking people sitting in Italian furniture on the side of the street, saluting the Duke. And then he's in a tunnel. He's in a pitch-black tunnel. At the very end, he sees a white light. And at that point, he's probably thinking, oh, Great, dude. I had I was halfway done doing a crossword puzzle. I can't die now. <sighs> and he's walking through the tunnel. Do, 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 do. He gets to the end of the tunnel where the white light is. And he starts as he's walking through the tunnel, he starts to see what he described as quote, weird mechanisms. Those are those watch dials I've heard so much about. He's looking at all this stuff on the side. He then sees a large canvas covered in stars and dots. Now, that's an interesting visual, because how would you explain a flat-screen television set to someone from the 1700s? Like, you would look like, like a view screen of a spaceship, it would look like a canvas. That would be the best way to say it, a canvas with dots and stars. So, it's possible that now he's in some sort of alien vehicle. He's somewhere. He's definitely not in a sinkhole. He's somewhere. He said that it seemed to pulsate with life. Now, there's no, there's no television that does that but i do think it's interesting they canvas a flat screen without like space and stuff on it would look like you would describe it as a canvas he walk now he's in this room he's at the end of the tunnel he's in this big room and there he sees a, a woman a tall thin woman i almost said blonde woman but then her hair wasn't it actually described that was just my own fetish i'm like and she was blonde they were all blonde it was a tall thin human-like figure with long hair that's the actual description i don't know if she was a blonde it was a woman though and she turns around and she sees this dude and she's like oh uh great you're not supposed to be here you're not supposed to be here she tells him that he fell through a crack of time and space and it would be, quote, very difficult to get him back to his own time. So apparently, that was an interesting comment for her to make because it means that this has happened before. It's not like she turned around and went, oh my god, what are you? Are you some sort of biological entity? And she's like poking him with a stick. I don't know how we're going to get you home. I don't even know what your home is. What are we going to... She turns around, she looks at him, and she goes, 
Okay, here's what happened. You fell through a crack in time. It's going to be really hard to get you home. So it implies that she, this isn't her first human interloper. So he goes, okay, I want to get back home. Like he began saying, I got to get back home. This crossword puzzle is halfway finished. I really need to know what a four-letter word is for mucus. And she's like, well, we'll try, but it's going to take you a while. It's not going to be super easy. But while you're here, let me explain what this place is. She said it was a place for souls without flesh and body and the eternally young. Now, when you think of those two terms, eternally young and souls without flesh and body, I immediately think of a holding area for souls. Eternally young, I think a little little like uh baby people, right? So little 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 go little Casper ghosts getting ready to go inside babies so they can have life. And then souls without flesh and body is like a waiting room, either waiting to be reincarnated or to move on to the afterlife. So it's almost like a purgatory type thing. She also mentions flying cities. But what's so we have these so basically he meets this woman, this this hot blonde, he meets this hot interdimensional blonde, and she goes, You're in a place full of the eternally young souls without bodies, and there's flying cities. She's kind of naming this stuff off, and he's just like, home, 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 home. And she's like, well, here, let me tell you a little bit more about how death in the afterlife, home, home. He just wants to go home so bad. She's like, You don't want to hear about the flying city? Home. Home, fine, fine. I will do my best to try to get you home. But those flying cities are pretty... Home, home, fine. Okay. Uh, quit, quit chanting that. We're in a world without time and space, and you're very, very annoying. He just appears back in time. So when she said it's going to take a long time to get him home, it wasn't a long time in that universe. It was a long time in our universe. He tells a story in Father Mario's of like, that's dope. Now, I need to know where this place is at. Can you show me exactly where this place was at? And Alberto's like, yeah, yeah, I know where it's at. It's like right downtown. You take a left of the Wendy's, go five blocks, we're there. They're walking down the street, they're eating Frosties in the hot spring sun of Italy. And they get to the town square. And Father goes, so where where were you when this happened? And Alberto goes, oh, oh, yeah, here, let me show you. And he walks, and he goes, I was right. Disappears. Right in front of Father Mario. Father Mario was luckily holding his Frosty, so now he has two Frosties. But, unfortunately, he might have led a man back to another dimension. So, Father Mario actually had a fence erected around this area, and it had a sign put on it saying, The Devil's Trap is what it was labeled. So now you can't even walk there. It's an interesting story, and it's one that we don't know Obviously, your first inclination is, well, let's go, let's go there, right? Let's try jumping in this trap. We have an Italian story that was translated from Italian to Russian, from Russian to English. And two of the key details that we really need are the exact date, but even more important is the city. Like, is there a sign there that says the devil's trap? In Italy, is the, the stories, there may very well be, but the story is so obscure. Even if you lived in that city, You may think it's a local rumor, or you may not even know it exists. But what it seems like, and they try tracking it down, they go, the city could have used to been named this, or it could be this, we don't know. But it's possible in Italy, there is a little spot in the middle of the town square with a gated fence that says the devil's trap on it, with a warning not to go in there. It's also interesting to note that he, it's obviously been more than 22 years since this happened. It's possible that 
again, assuming the story's true, it could just be a fable. It definitely sounds fantastic, but it's possible that Alberto went back to that dimension. The blonde woman turns around and was like, Ser- seriously, dude? What? I was just showing Father Mario, man. He wanted me to show, he wanted me to show him where it was at. And he immediately is like, no, my Frosty. So that's possible, right? It's also possible that he went back, did come back 22 years later, and was just like, I'm moving. I'm not going to track down Father Mario, because the story is he was never seen again. But it's possible that he may have popped back up 22 years later, or a couple years later, or 100 years later, or whatever, and just left. Because he's like, I'm out of here. What if he appeared and there was a fence around him? And he's like, no, I can't, I can't step over this four-foot fence. And there's just a pile of bones there. Bigfoot's walking by, being like, mm-mm-mm. Finishing his crossword puzzle and laughing. <laughs> Four-letter word for mucus is snot. Walks past them. So, if you live in Italy, and you're not doing anything this summer, visit every city in your country. Especially around Sicily. Visit every city around Sicily. See if you can find a little gated area known as the Devil's Trap. And if you do, are you brave enough to step inside of it? Because everyone talks about exploring the world of the mysterious. Proving the unknown, building a Bigfoot trap. But when it really comes down to it, if you saw a small patch of grass where a man not once but twice disappeared into another dimension, would you be willing to take that risk to see what's on the other side of the devil's trap? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey.